Welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade. You're the voice. Try and understand it. Make a noise and make it clear. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 Rose. And I'm Hamish. Ooh, 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 ooh. Steel. And today is... <laughs> it's, uh, our, it's our first No Box Vox Pop. It's very hot in the studio. Hamish oh and I God. are in the same place for the first time in a few weeks. It's possible we've lost the plot. But we are here, we are sweaty, and we are going to answer your questions. We're here, we're queer, and we are drenched in our own sweat. Get used to it. Yeah, this is a sweaty box right now. Oh, God, that was really bad. That was so bad. It's Pride Month. Woo! Um, yeah. We've lost the plot and the episode's only 30 seconds in. Yeah, we decided to do a Pride version of our already queer-ass show, mm-hmm. um, which I don't. we didn't really know what that meant. No, but uh, thankfully you guys seem to, because when we said, please send us some questions for No Box Vox Pop with more of a LGBTQ plus vibe than geeky vibe, you delivered. Yeah, I mean... We got a lot of questions. We try to answer as many as we can. Where I, where the questions we've cut are when people have asked more than one, or where they're too similar to other ones. So we hope that everything you want to know gets at least addressed. Yeah, and if your question got missed off, um, please send us more for next time. Yeah, it's not personal. We don't know who you are. <laughs> We're really happy to hear from you guys. Yeah, and don't don't wait for us to say we're looking for questions. No, Just send, send them anytime. Um, yeah, we do check all of them and catalogue them. Um, it's so sweaty. Why did we decide <laughs> Pride had to be in summer? Why did we decide to record a podcast on the hottest day of the year? Oh, actually, I saw a thing. It was just like, um, I can't remember if this was a Twitter exchange or a Tumblr exchange that somebody sent. Why is, does Pride happen in the summer? Can't it happen uh, in September when the children are back in school? So they don't have to be uh, subject to witnessing such a thing. To which somebody replied, well, it's like it says in the Bible, pride cometh before the fall. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pride's 2017 has mm. had a few interesting uh, events. Um, we're all feeling Baba Shook. <laughs> We might be talking about that more later on our Pride episode two. But uh, another thing that's been in the news, mm. uh, and when I say news, I mean very much the queer bubble of yeah. our news. Our news. The local wildlife population is clearly very passionate about the subject. Yeah, there's a there's a queer dog outside yeah, uh, really singing excited. its praises. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if the pack of dogs next door is a bunch of lesbians. They are all girls. Mm. So who knows? Clever girls. Mm. Anyway, anyway. A, a news story that has uh, been shared about recently is that the city of Philadelphia, for its pride, has added stripes for brown, or stripes which are brown and black, to the flag, um, trying to uh, symbolise the contributions and the visibility of black mm. and brown people in the community. The significant contribution. Yes. Let us not forget. Like the amazing, largely trans women of color that mm-hmm. spearhead the pride movement. Now, I've seen a lot of backlash, right? Um, from white gays, <laughs> right? Right, white male gays. 
Um, the male gaze. No, uh, they... Yeah, and... While we both acknowledge that we're going to stay in our lane mostly mm-hmm. about this, yeah, it's funny seeing a flag which was clearly, I feel, made to create a talking point. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say it's probably temporary or a the the pride of this year. This is what we're trying to highlight and mm-hmm. talk about, um, and see people get very angry at that. I am- I don't get it. So, okay. I swear, I think like, the only argument I've seen is aesthetic. And I'm just there like, <laughs> get over your fucking self. I've actually got quite used to it, and I think it looks fine. Yeah, um, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. So, arguments I've seen is that the stripes don't represent people and that it was always inclusive before, and now it has been made non-inclusive by making a special part for... Quick, quick point of science that people won't remember. Uh, do you know what the fucking rainbow of the lo- spectrum of light adds up to? Adds up to fucking white. <laughs> um, Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> well, that, this is the thing. The reason why it's been added to the flag is because people have felt that that rainbow doesn't represent them. Um, exactly. You can't say that it does if you don't put that into practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... The kind of people getting angry at this, I feel, are the kind of people who put on their grinder profile, no blacks, no Asians, no... And, like, one of the only criticisms I've seen is that when you start adding a colour for black and then brown, then any non-black or brown people of colour might... Which I feel is maybe a, is a more fair argument yeah. to be made than any other I've heard. However, don't I mean, upset about I'm, I'm a little bit of a radical pink triangle gay when it comes to symbols yeah uh the the rainbow flag i love and appreciate but i think it's i think it being on bottles of vodka or mcdonald's packets is probably doing more to Mm -hmm. uh make it mean less than adding some uh, colors to it colors so i know it used to have pink and turquoise on it did yeah and the reasons they were taken off are so comical and flippant pink mm-hmm. was taken off because pink was too so, hard to get hold of all right and turquoise was taken off because when it was hung from lamp posts oh the turquoise would disappear into the sky wouldn't it well, tur- well turquoise was covered by the post ah. so they removed it so that you could see all the colors mm-hmm. and it's like if we're that flippant and changeable with the flag then i don't see why what problem there is yeah I don't know. It seems like a really odd thing for people to get fixated on. Yeah. And it kind of baffles me when I think... Arguably, you could make a point about this is very... It feels almost tokenistic. Mm. But I feel like as a gesture, as a recognition of the history of the Pride of like the pride Movement, I think it's it's a great thing to see. And it's, it, it's, it's not even much of a gesture. It's made by black mm. people to acknowledge... Mm-hmm. Something happening right now. Yeah. Um, With the recent news um, about that police officer. Yeah. It just doesn't. Again, I, uh, trying to stay in our uh, in our lane on this. I one. just think, yeah, I, it. Let it happen. Now, now is a time more than ever that it should be there. Yeah, we should see that. And at least, and it's done exactly what it was meant to do. It was meant to cause uh, create discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was done to ruffle the feathers of certain certain people deserve and need yeah, to have their feathers ruffled. Yeah, they make them ruffled. acknowledge 
okay, but do you actually acknowledge these people in your community or do you just, just say you pay do? lip service to And it. the whole rainbow thing is very, I don't see colour. Mm. Um, it's good to actually throw it in people's face once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's something I want to talk about. But we got a lot of questions. Yeah, uh, let's go to one that we got on Tumblr first from... Clueless Narwhal asked if we have had any advice on how to find other queer geeks if you live in a small town or in a country where being openly queer is illegal and or dangerous. I feel like we maybe have mentioned this a little bit in previous episodes, but it's a topic I'm happy to sort of come back Mm. around to. I mean, I've lived in London for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, I did grow up in a small town, but... Not even a small town, like a house in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but I don't know how you feel living more in a what I would consider a town. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly live in a small town. Um, I have lived here pretty much all my life. The Medway towns, um, doxing myself. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> if you find yourself in the Medway towns, ping a link to the box not included, we'll go grab a Costa. Um, <laughs> but... This is a town where when my sister talked about hanging a rainbow flag outside of her window for pride, um, my sister, who is outwardly perceived as heterosexual, Mm. married to a guy, has a a little girl, I asked her not to because I was genuinely paranoid somebody would put a brick through her window Mm. because she lives next to a football stadium. And... There, it's not to say that there aren't like gay bars in where around where I live, but I get it. I didn't. I'm also very bad at being sociable. I've gone to the gay bars in in around here like a couple of times, if that, because mm. that's not really what I'm good at. My queer community is online. I mean that's. The advice I'd give, if you do live somewhere where mm-hmm. it's um, a really difficult situation, mm-hmm. um, we are in our small way lucky enough to have lifelines in terms of mm-hmm. online communities. I know that some people listen to this podcast and that's their main interaction with the LGBT community, which yeah. um, is both, you know, makes me a little sad, but also quite humbling. Mm. Um in terms of finding other queer geeks... Yeah. Um, well, one, we could start up a thread on our Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, but Facebook is actually a really good place. I mean, Facebook is also full of assholes, but so is everywhere you go online. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, like, fan communities will create offshoot groups for queer fans. Uh, both Hamish and I are members of a queer-focused McElroy's fan group. Yeah on Facebook that was set up by the mods because they were sick of some of the stuff they were consistently seeing on the main groups? Yeah, I mean, I'd possibly recommend finding geeks first, and then when you find geeks... Yeah, find (laughs) the things that interest you, and you are very likely to find that they also, like, within that community, they've gone off and gone, we've (laughs) we've got our own little offshoot over here. Yeah. Over here. Because, like, penguins... We do cluster together <laughs> yeah. for warmth in the cold, unforgiving, um, wider world. I cannot stress how much the friends I have made online have meant the world to me. 
and made me feel less alone. Like I was telling Hamish before we started recording today, a friend of mine who's been a, a fandom friend for um, a few years since sort of Pacific Rim came out. We were both part of that fandom. We've shared our love of Daredevil. Um, and we had a really intense conversation just yesterday about us having so much more in common in terms of gender than we realised. Mm. And that moment is just like, oh, oh no, no, you get it. You get it so much. And that's a, a fandom friend. And I mean, just- I met my husband on a Doctor Who forum. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first sort of talking to him online and telling him, telling people about him, mm. I'd often have people saying, how can you really know him? Mm. And I know meeting people online has its yes. obvious dangers. Um, but after multiple hours of Skyping and et cetera and et cetera, yeah. I, I don't think, I think you can get to know people better in a way. Mm-hmm. Through that thing, because often in real life, you're meeting people who are just near you. Yeah. Um, You've already got common ground. Yeah. Like, my co-pilot, who's one of the most important people to me, um, lives in Chicago. Hmm? Uh, I started following him, I think, after seeing some amazing uh, discussions he was having on Tumblr about gender and Shakespeare. And we got to talking and... He is one of my favourite people in the world, and I have met him once. Mm. We Skype from time to time. When I was lucky enough to be on holiday in America, I went and spent three days with him. And people were like, you've never met this person. I'm like, I know. Aren't you worried? No. <laughs> and I got to hang out with him in person, and it was like we'd always been hanging out in person. It mm. was so easy. I mean, one of my best friends, um, Lydia... Uh, she now, she lives in, she's Canadian, she now lives in London at the moment, and I was sat next to her in the animation studio we both work at, and she was doing some work, and I was turned to her, and I just thought, you know, I'm really glad I commented on that DeviantArt picture you did, like, ten years ago. Uh And it's just really nice thinking about that. Um, So, I don't, to answer your question, I do think, if you live in a small town, don't think of it as a small town in a way. Think of mm-hmm. it as if you... I mean, you sent us a question, so I assume you have internet connection. Yeah. And that's how you found people. If if you sent us a question, that's how you've reached out to queer geeks. Yeah. Um, and look, that's real. Yeah, look at people's bios. If you feel you might have something in common. A lot of the thing being queer is we are striving for more community. Mm. If you reach out to people somebody i have no doubt will be reach right back yeah there are there are queer assholes but <laughs> yeah I, I mean i have one of my good friends online is russian and i can only imagine the shit they have to deal with on the regular i actually think the person who asked us is russian oh so. um, i think sorry correct me if i'm wrong but but uh, so yeah Online, and you never know, like, the friendships that you can make. I mean, Hamish and I met in real life, but uh, that was through a group that was put together online. (laughs) If we hadn't met in real life, I think we would have met online a few weeks later, probably. Yeah, it was kind of a bit of a convergence, but, yeah. Um, I wanted to say the next question is from Black uh, Black Lodge Caleb. 
Caleb. Caleb on Twitter and asked, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Wonder Woman, more specifically the dialogue about pleasure. Have you seen Wonder Woman? No. No. So, and I, I want to avoid to. spoilers. Um, it's been really interesting. I saw it and I had my opinions and then I talked to other people and I've seen their opinions. It mm-hmm. hasn't changed my opinion. Yeah. But I've seen more sides of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I will tell you about this one scene. Okay. When we talk about specifically the dialogue about pleasure. And we did actually get another Wonder Woman question as well, but um, mm-hmm. this is the one I chose. Okay. So. So blame Hamish if you're not happy. <laughs> uh, DC have said, and the writers have said, Wonder Woman is bisexual in as much as everyone on her island, or it must be very common on her island. Um Interestingly, both so is Harley Quinn, who and those are the two female-led DC movies they've made, uh-huh. and they don't they don't quite mention it. However, there is this one line when Wonder Woman <laughs> Diana mm-hmm. uh, is talking to Steve, the guy that comes to her island, and they're talking about sex, and what and Diana says. While I acknowledge men have their role for reproduction, they are not necessary for pleasure. And some people have said, oh yes, queer, 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 queer. And to me that, I can't tell if that's more a joke about masturbation. <laughs> um, but, but that's the thing, it's vague. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm more annoyed that in the same scene... Um, he briefly explains what marriage is, and I really wanted her to just say, oh, no, we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not said. Um, when I talk about the film in little details like that, yeah, it it sounds like I have lots of problems, but I really did genuinely enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed that some people who haven't enjoyed it have not seen any of the other recent DC movies. All right. And... I think one of the reasons I enjoyed it... Is because you have? Is was I was like, oh, a competent film. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's quite refreshing to see the DC Universe with, like, yeah. a plot that makes sense, characters I love. Mm-hmm. Um, a good, a good, a solid good movie. It's a solid good movie. Yeah, I, I love seeing the reaction to it, the way, like, children are embracing it. I think that, for me, it, I, I want to see it. I want to go with my sister. Um, my best friend saw it yesterday, maybe. Mm-hmm. I saw her talking about it on Twitter and she found it a little bit disappointing, found that there was maybe, I think her word was, uh, found it focused a bit too much on the romance. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it. Um, I'm just very happy with all the shots in vague slow motion of uh, Gal Gadot getting pushed back and then looking at, oh, we're going to fucking go, <laughs> which no, is very appealing to me. One of the things that's so obviously directed by a woman Mm-hmm. Um, if you just compare, I want to say wa- Patty Jenkins. Uh, Patty John Jenkins Johnson. We're, was- we're we're terrible geeks. I thought it was Johnson. I'll quickly get- you go. You look Maybe it. it's Jenkins. Patty Jenkins sounds right. Um, the the shots of Wonder Woman in both the Justice League trailer and Batman vs Superman feel very different to the ones in Wonder Woman. Um, there's an extended scene in which in Wonder Woman in which Chris Pine is completely naked and wet and looking nervous. How delightful. And Wonder Woman is spending a lot of the film wearing kind of like a skirt and a weird corset and you never think Mm -hmm. it's sexualized. It is Patty Jenkins. So I'm just going to do a little... (laughs) Yes. I don't know why I thought Johnson. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, there's so much good about it, but ultimately, and this is a compliment, it's just a solid superhero film. And my actual feeling coming out of it was like, why did that take so long? Yeah. Because it, you don't notice. I think maybe some people were disappointed because it doesn't, it doesn't feel with like the super empowering, like, yay women. You don't film. think it's a feminine opus. You think it's a good, it's a good superhero movie yeah. that happens to be chaired by a woman about fucking time. Yeah. It just feels like normal. Yeah. And actually one of the things I really liked about it was that it wasn't obsessed with setting itself in the DC universe and setting mm-hmm. up a hundred things. It felt like someone had found the script for a Wonder Woman film from like the eighties yeah. or like, you know, the Christopher Reeve era yeah. and just said, Oh, we should probably film this by now. It felt very classic. And That's it felt, a good thing. I think the humor didn't feel, felt very natural. Mm-hmm. I actually preferred the humor in Wonder Woman to a lot of Marvel films where sometimes they get it really right and sometimes it's... Not so much. It's a bit inappropriate. Not so much. Um, it just felt very natural and... Cool. Um, Diana herself... Carry on. ...was very, very likable. She was very charming and funny and I I was rooting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting film. I really... It, I'm also very pleased. It's so well... And that, um, yeah, that's, I think, what is one of the most encouraging things about it is the reception. Yeah, when I saw it, there was um, a girl, a little girl behind me, mm-hmm. who actually said during one of the fight, like, well, not fight scenes, mm. but when she's, like, kicking yeah. over tanks, she's saying, I wish I could do that. That's amazing. And then during the credits, all, there was, like, a party of girls behind me. They all sat, they all moved to the front mm. row mm-hmm. and sat and just started talking and, like, geeking out about it. Yes! Yes! And that's the thing, like... No, the, the the criticisms with the film you could say at any Superman or yeah. Batman film they aren't just... unique to this film yeah well that's good um okay I need to go see Wonder Woman <laughs> I think everyone should because like, even yeah. if you the worst criticism I heard is it was just a, an okay superhero film which is yeah. a, a but, bad... <laughs> but throw some money at it yeah um so, we got a couple of questions on a similar theme. Mm-hmm. Um, one anonymous listener from Tumblr. Oh, wait, no, I've jumped. Back up, back up, back up. That's later. <laughs> we'll get back to those questions on a similar theme. I scrolled too far down on the G-Doc. Um, this was an anonymous Tumblr user, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that has been on my mind lately is when a character is accepted as gay by the fandom, regardless of canon, any different opinion gets attacked. I don't mean when someone says something homophobic and insists every character is hetero, but specifically when somebody suggests a character is bi. What do any of you think about this? Have you seen this happen? I've seen this happen so many fucking times. I have not seen it happen so much. It makes me angry. The only thing I've noticed is um, there's quite a few people trying to argue that Bill Potts from Doctor Who is bisexual, even though four or five times she said, I'm not attracted to men. Um, so I've only seen it when it is confirmed in canon. Right. Um, but you can talk more about this. Um, I don't think there is anything wrong with gay head cannons. Don't get me wrong. Um, when I start having issue, and I have issue when this goes, cuts both ways, is when a character that is explicitly gay in canon... People try to insist they're bisexual. Mm-hmm. That can rub me up entirely the wrong way. And I have issues with characters that evidence would suggest bisexuality, pansexuality, and people insist that they're gay. Well, I think part of that problem is that there are very few characters who get 
completely canonized as bisexual because no one ever says the word. Mm-hmm. It's a very frustrating thing and... I have seen people get attacked and called homophobic for wanting a character to be uh, bisexual rather than um, yeah. gay. Uh, a particular example I could think of right now um, is The Adventure Zone. Uh, we're currently in an arc. So this is sort of spoilers for the most recent uh, arc of The Adventure Zone, if you aren't caught up to date. Uh, we have Taco's sister, uh, mm-hmm. twin sister, Loop, who is a trans woman in a relationship with a man we assume a cis man mm-hmm. and people are insisting that loop is a lesbian and refuse to acknowledge this canon relationship and this is a particularly thorny issue because like it's not like we have an abundance of representation of trans women yeah. in any form of media but and being people being called homophobic for shipping this canon ship between a trans woman and a man it's just like nobody's saying that loop can't be bisexual yeah that's the that's yeah that that discomfort on your face that you're feeling that bad taste in your mouth you actually reminded me i have seen some of that i actually saw some people get annoyed that if loop is with a man then it's no longer a queer relationship but i'm like uh unless I mean, we don't like we don't know enough, but unless people specifically don't want to identify that, yeah, it. I don't like. Mm, <laughs> I don't. I don't see. So, I don't see many trans women in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do, they don't have patiently told, lovely, romantic storylines mm-hmm. that are given like. The same weight you would, yeah. Like, ah, mm. it, I think it is deeply, deeply, deeply unfair to attack somebody for a headcanon and say somebody is homophobic for headcanoning a character as bisexual rather than gay. I do not. I, I, why? Why is that something you want to be upset about? And you see this frequently uh, in the Marvel fandom. People like to pretend that Peggy doesn't exist so they can ship Stephen Bucky to their heart's content. Mm. Why can't Steve be bisexual? Yo, he clearly loves Peggy. He clearly loves Bucky. Once you accept and actually remember bisexuality exists, shipping gets more fun. <laughs> like, yes. It, Let me introduce you. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I sort of get this now. I think I was specifically thinking about my one example that I've seen. But it also ties into the fact that creators often have this battle about do I confirm something mm-hmm. to give representation yeah. or do I leave it open so people can mm-hmm. headcanon what they want? Yeah. And if you don't do it sort of straight away, mm-hmm. um, it... So, for example, I'm just going to say an example. In my webcomic I do, mm-hmm. some characters haven't come out. Yeah. And I haven't done that storyline yet, but I've tried to make it very clear what they are originally mm-hmm. in like other out of universe asks or questions. Yeah. Just so that when I eventually do say people's sexuality, people aren't, oh, but I had canons this way and mm-hmm. feel very upset. Yeah. Look, no, I'm not going to say that if you, st- I'm not saying that there, some people don't headcanon a character as bisexual so they can just ship them with a partner of a different gender 
there are always going to be people doing that. And if perhaps you're headcanning somebody, headcanning somebody as bisexual for that explicit purpose, maybe look at your reasons why. However, if a character isn't canonically gay, then why shouldn't somebody be able to uh, headcanon them as bisexual? Mm. I mean, it's there's just not there's enough. not enough of us out there. Um. It, yeah, it, it's deeply frustrating and upsetting to me to see that kind of. Unfortunately, fandom can be a deeply unpleasant clusterfuck from time to time. But I promise you, there are people out there who are doing it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a shitty situation, Nani. Um, Any ship you want to do, you won't be the only one. Unless you're me and my friend who have got <laughs> a very niche crossover ship that nobody else is shipping yet. But they could be. It's a good little two-person canoe. We're very happy at our two-person canoe of a ship. Um, we got a couple of questions on a similar theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so question number one is from an anonymous listener and said, I consider myself asexual. I have a girlfriend. So as far as the outside world is considered, I am just super gay, but ace has always fit me better. I've never been to pride before, but all the fighting and discourse online has me feeling like I won't be welcome unless my girlfriend is with me and she can't come this year. I really want to go, but I'm scared that someone's going to tell me that I'm not supposed to be there. Um, and we also okay. got yeah. I think we should address that one first okay. before getting on to the. We'll say what the other question is, which is uh, uh, Jennifer emailed us to ask what we think about the betrayals of asexual and aromantic individuals in media or lack thereof, which I do want to talk about. But to get back to the going to pride thing, uh, it makes me so angry and upset to see that the way I feel. If you feel like you have a place at Pride, if why do you want to go to Pride? If you want to go to get drunk and gawk at people, maybe that's not a good reason to go to Pride. If you want to go to be around people of your community, you have a right to be there. Yeah, that's my thing. Like I've seen so many things where people say, if you're straight, don't go to Pride. I'm saying straight Yeah. right now. I'm not trying to compare it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... When you start making those kinds of rules, as much as you might agree with them in theory, putting any of that into practice, mm-hmm. you cannot tell someone or you cannot you do, label other people. Don't fucking gatekeep Pride. Do you know who I would like to not be at Pride? Banks. Yeah. I don't want... it. I am sick of all this... Cor- how corporate... Bo- a bisexual group applied to March in London Pride and were denied. That shit makes me angry. Pride is something I really, I, I feel compelled to go and support. And while, but while I'm where the amount of sponsors and awful companies that don't actually support you mm-hmm. marching and, uh, they got turned away, but a few years ago, UKIP was like lined up. I don't if American listeners, they're, they're the bad guys. <laughs> Uh, now the conservatives are doing their job for them yeah like pride has got lots of problems but you being there is not one of them you have absolutely every right to be there yeah um no i'm gonna i want to say no one's going to say you can't be there i can't guarantee that no if you're a person there by yourself but anyone telling you you shouldn't be there they're the wrong ones yeah um and you'll be surrounded by people who'll defend you and be happy that you're there um Pride in general, like, 
every time I go, I'm torn. I see people protesting pride, but not in a bad way in ways which I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, pride was sponsored by the absolutely fabulous movie, mm-hmm. which is really transphobic yeah. and bad. And like, and I like ab fab. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, there's a lot of, uh, blind spots in the people organizing. Yeah. Pride. I mean, as somebody that pride is a very complicated thing for me. Um, mm. I am bred as female. That is my fucking bullshit to deal with. And it, it, leaving aside the part where crowds of people set off every neuron in my brain and I get very uncomfortable very quickly. Yeah. Pride for me is like, I feel like it could be the one place where I should be able to look exactly how I want to look because that is the one place where people would see me for who I am and I don't. No, and I am unable to present how I want to present. And it would be so much worse being at Pride and still being red at fe- as red as female. Yeah. I have this conflict in that Pride is... <sighs> the biggest air quotes of the entire run of this podcast. Yeah, we're going to do like arm quotes rather than finger quotes. <laughs> this is arm quotes. <laughs> um, Pride is made for me. I am a cis white gay man. How dare you get out of the studio? No, what I mean by that is pride is 100%. I'm the target audience. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that will buy all the overpriced cocktails and like be good in photos when they take pictures. And like, I'm what they want to be there. Yeah. Um, so in all, in all honesty, my opinions on pride are moot. Um, Mm -hmm. I I go, I didn't used to go, and I go now out of, I go acknowledging all the problems. Yeah. We've kind of gone into a slightly different topic. Yeah, apologies. But like, there are so, like, I'm conflicted in the sense that I 100% back and support everyone who feels uncomfortable with pride and doesn't feel they belong there and wants to set up their own separate prides. Mm-hmm. And at the same time... I feel there's the only way we're not going to make this as, you know, focused on people like me mm-hmm. is if you come. Yeah. Um, which I is a big ask. And I, I, it, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a scary thing to, to anonymous, maybe ask about on Facebook, see if anybody you maybe know, maybe you can meet a fandom friend. Mm. Maybe you can meet a box. If you, if, if you, if you put in a message to the box included group, maybe say which part you're going to, maybe you could make a friend. These things are always less scary. I don't know where you live and I don't know how big your pride is, but everyone I've been to has had an asexual mm-hmm. um, and aromantic uh, part of the parade. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll, if you go there, I'm sure you'll see people with ace, flag. ace flags, badges, anything. Mm-hmm. And pride, this is part of the reason why pride's scary, but pride is also the place where you can just run up to someone and say, Hello, mm-hmm. can I hang out with you yeah. or something? Especially, um, especially if you're on your own, find maybe a friendly looking group going, hey, do you mind? Because so many people come to Pride and it's the only time they get to be themselves. Yeah. So you belong there. Let, let, let me just say, you belong there. And if, yeah. And if anybody tells you you don't, they can fuck off. Never feel obligated to go, but if it sounds like you want to go, then, then go. you belong. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other part of the question is more about asexuality and... 
mm -hmm. different question for Jennifer. Yeah. Can you think of a canon asexual character or aromantic character in media? Yes, but only one. I can think of one, but only in one form. What's yours? I'm thinking about Jughead. Ah, in the recent Arch, in the new Archie comics. Yes. Um, I've seen people online battling about the fact that Jughead used to be coded gay um, and now is written asexual and or aromantic, I think, mm -hmm. various things. He's queer. The TV show Riverdale hasn't done much to confirm any of that. In fact, it's done that certain kind of things. kind the opposite? It's the opposite. So when I talk about what do I think of portrayals and asexual and aromantic individuals and media, my first thought is they're not taken seriously. Yeah. Um, it's not seen as a trait that needs representing. Um, ace discourse is like, I think it's the reason why the word discourse became a thing. I think that's where mm. it came from. Um, I think I, I said in episode one, there was a small time when I, I identified as asexual and it was because the definition on that I saw on Tumblr had become quite vague. Um, I don't know if it still is. I, I ended up not wanting to identify with it in, in the same way that um, others say that, that I chose the word which makes me more feel, feel more comfortable, the one that I identify with. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say is that I think... The reason there's like no canon representation. Um, <sighs> I think it's very hard to portray an absence of something. Yeah. I can think of one. Actually, I can think of one. I don't know if it's the same one you're thinking of, but it's a show I've not watched. It's not the thing. Yeah. Um, so there was a British TV show called Sirens. Which I got do know remade what about. as an American show it's called about, Sirens. It's about paramedics. About paramedics. Slash EMTs. I actually watched all of the British mm -hmm. one. Um, has like actors I really like in it. The American one I've not seen, but I have seen uh, lots of gift sets of a character saying, I am asexual and explaining it. And mm -hmm. apparently it's good, but I don't know how the show ended. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the only example that I have. Um, and this is a character that was confirmed as canonically ace after the fact, mm -hmm. uh, which they admit is not perfect representation, which I appreciate. But uh, in uh, season two of Friends at the Table, uh, Counterweight, uh, one of the NPCs who plays a major role, and it's actually, it's kind of complicated, but it's also played by one of the characters at one point, uh, one of the actors cast at one point, uh, Orth Godlove is canonically ace. Okay. Uh, and a man of colour. Uh, is a, a black man of colour. Black man of colour. Good work. It's very hot in the studio. I'm <laughs> really sorry. Um, but yeah, they were in their post-mortem. Uh, Austin, the GM, was just like, oh yeah, no, Orth's ace. Just like, I always, somebody on Twitter said, I totally head canon Orth's ace. And he's like, no, 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 that's canon. Hmm. And just to have that said, just like, yeah. So often characters that may be coded as ace or aromantic are characters with autism or characters maybe who are disabled uh, like physically and there's some very problematic trends with characters like that, which 
I'm not to say that ace people are never aromantic or asexual or disabled people are never aromantic or asexual because When you have so little are. of an example, yes. any kind of trend becomes a stereotype. Yes. Um, I mean, but as I said, it is hard to portray an absence of things without people coming straight out and saying the word. And mm. that is... The nuances of storytelling are Yeah, it's something... Hard. It's something I always advocate for having more people just say what they are because that's yeah. how we talk. Yeah, I, I, it is a thing. Like, people do sometimes say, yeah, I don't do sex. Not my thing. Yeah. I'm not interested in relationships at all. But people also, I think the understanding of what asexuality and aromanticism is, like, a lot of people just feel like, oh, yeah, some people just have low sexuality. That's not what we're talking about here. And I think as understanding grows, we may see more examples. Yeah. Which is a a heartwarming thought if it actually gets to that point. Yeah. Um, That's what we think about the representation or lack thereof. It's more of the lack thereof. Yeah. It frustrates Um, us. We'd like to see more. We appreciate that maybe it's not the easiest thing in the world, but sometimes, you know, you don't have to be subtle about everything. Yeah. I'd like to do an episode about it. Yeah, no. And um, I am going to be talking more about Counterweight, uh, Friends of the Table, but check it out. Um. Jennifer also asked one other question. Um, what of the male gaze in media? The overall focus of male stories and hypersexualization of women in geeky media. I mean, that's gaze with a G-A-Z-E. <laughs> yes, gaze is in the view. Gaze is in the, the folks. Um, the, the problem is a lot of media is still created by straight men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, talking about Wonder Woman, I felt it was you don't quite notice the difference until you see it done mm-hmm. that you can have a character in a hashtag revealing outfit mm-hmm. um, and it not cross your mind yeah. that she's being sexualized on. I uh, like we, we talked about sun in sensei season yeah. two as well. You can just sort of tell. And recently Joss Whedon's script for I Wonder want Woman. Talk. I, really don't want to talk. I know it was written a few years ago. I do not want to get into Joss Whedon discussions right uh, now. But the way that any male or straight male or maybe just male director mm-hmm. would handle an island of warrior women who mm. possibly have relationships with each other. Yeah. Who suddenly find out about men. Mm-hmm. Is such a trap, and the fact that mm-hmm. the film even managed to like avoid that particular avoid that is kind of a miracle. Yeah, I mean, what of the male gaze in media? It's prolific, it's depressing. The tides are slowly shifting as more people are given creative control. Is it so? A film I'm thinking about is uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and didn't wasn't the director of photography and the editor women i know the editor's a woman and how that changes everything mm-hmm. um if you think about how again sorry joss we do we do we're gonna keep ragging on <laughs> we rag on him for a reason um i've seen comparisons of the way in the avengers captain america is framed and how black widow is framed and how yes. the middle of mm-hmm. the frame on captain america is like chest up nipples up yeah um and Black Widow, you got to make sure the bum's in there. Yeah. Um, it's very noticeable and very odd that you've yeah. 
frame of uh, Where is it interesting? I, I think I remember seeing either some analysis or it might have been some commentary uh, to go back to Mad Max. If you wrote the first time we see the wives, oh, sorry, I don't like calling them the wives, the sisters mm. of the Citadel, the way they're framed, you, you could have said they would have been so easy to sexualise them. But the thing is, what's being shown as the thing of want there is the water. Yeah. And these are women that are wearing linen and are being covered in water and they are not sexualised in that moment. No. Um, it's it's such a subtle mm. change, but you can really feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we think of the male gaze? It's bad. It leaves a bad taste <laughs> in my mouth. As somebody that's attracted to women, it makes me frequently angry. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, like... It's not about that. It's, no. it's the voyeurism that uh-huh. people don't like. It's it's it's, unco- it's discomforting, and it's frequently gross. Mm. Actually, I, I know we're talking about films, but the thing that really bugs me is video games. Yeah. An example of this is in the Batman Arkham games. Yeah. You can often in the games you can play as either Batman or Catwoman. All right. And the camera. Oh God! Right. For Batman is waist up. You see his back and he's got a big cape. Yeah. The camera for Catwoman is just a little bit down so we can see her butt. Um, And I'm someone who loves butts. Okay? They're great. them butts. But (laughs) it removes any of the thrill I get from being able to play as Catwoman. I'm just thinking, oh, I'm not... I'm not being Catwoman, I'm watching her, because mm. I... I think that's an important distinction, being yeah. versus watching. A, ver- a very small thing, I, I I don't know anything about the genders of the people that make this, but Sailor Moon recently got remade, uh-huh. and in the 90s show, when she transforms, it feels like you're Sailor Moon, it feels like you're part of it. Her eyes are open most mm-hmm. of it, she's... When she when her gloves become all sparkling changes, she's sort of like going. She's like punching the air, yeah. and it changes, and it feels so empowering. Yeah. And in the remake, she's kind of got half lidded oh. eyes, and it feels like the transformation's happening to her, uh, and that you're watching it. Oh. And it, the focus is on her limbs and her sort of. Right. She's like a fourteen year old girl. Oh. And like it's it's these tiny little subtle differences yeah. where yes, the new transformation might be more technically impressive, <laughs> but. <laughs> This conversation about the male gaze has left a bad taste in my mouth. Let's go get wash it out with some nice tea. Let's get a tea. It's the middle section of the show. It's the middle section of the show. We're very hot and sweaty. We're very hot and sweaty. <laughs> uh, we're so glad that you're listening to this episode. We hope that when you're listening to this, you are somewhere cool and refreshing, like a paddling pool, perhaps. Oh, I was going to wish sweatiness on all our listeners. No, no, <laughs> nobody else should feel like I feel right now. There's a torrent of sweat running down my back and ah. front right now, and it's not a comfortable place to be. Um, but we are happy to be in the studio for yes. you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we got so many questions this time. So um, many! This is going to be a bumper episode, we think. Yes, we realise this is much later tea break than usual. But it's yeah. Pride, so everything should be bigger and louder. And Hell yes! Um, and these episodes will probably continue to get longer the more questions we get. We, pro- we wanted to save some questions for next time. but yeah. um, I want to kindly 
suggests that if you're enjoying this episode, that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That would be really helpful. Um, for you guys. We actually do not have a review yet, so if you did, <gasps> oh, you'd be the first one to do it, and we'll give you a shout out. We'll give you a shout out, our we'll, beloved listeners. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, let you. Take something from the problematic jar, maybe. We'll buy you an ice cream. We'll buy you an ice cream. Um, <laughs> we also have a sponsor this week. Beastly Beverages are back. Beastly Beverages. Beastly Beverages, purveyor of fandom and fantasy luxury, hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And here's the thing, you guys. Yes, you can get tea. Yes, you can get coffee. You can get mugs. You can get these cool little strainers for your loose leaf tea with really cute charms on the end. But guys, guys, there's more. We're talking stickers. Stickers! Everyone loves a sticker. Everybody I eat stickers every day of my life, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> stickers are not for eating. They're for sticking. Or for, like me, who's a bit scared to stick anything. Displaying in nice ways. Actually... I have stuck some things, and that is because I actually contributed to these stickers. On the BCB Everest website, you can get stickers based on Harry Potter, Overwatch, Star Wars, Marvel, and they're all by me and my friends, and they're really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a... On the back of my iZettle card reader, I've got a sticker of Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, another happy landing. <laughs> Beautiful. Wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? Show your house pride. They're really cute. They, listen, I, you guys, if, if you're a Hufflepuff, you really, really want a sticker of a, of a badger with a cup of tea. You do. it's totally cute. Um, I genuinely do want you to uh, buy these stickers because if they sell well, then I might do more work for these sleep beverages. <laughs> Beastly Beverages has funded quite a few paninis in yeah, my life. We are, um, yeah. We have a forever goat for. Yeah, and you should uh, check out beastlybeverages.com where you can get said stickers. Uh, they've also got a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. If you use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST... All one word, no spaces, capital Bs. Uh, you can get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. And they ship worldwide! 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 Wow. Um, so once again, <laughs> that's Beverage Beast, all one word. Capital B's. Capital B's. It's very hot in the studio. It's very hot. I'll tell you what's hot too, the tickets. Let's <laughs> <laughs> keep fest running the 4th wow. of August. I'm going to buy you a Segway. <laughs> because you are the emperor, emperor of Segway. Look at me <laughs> smoothly move. <laughs> I'll come along. It'd be really awesome to see you guys at Nine Worlds if you can make it. Um, if you follow their Twitter, and I think it, which is just at Nine Worlds Geek Fest, a few people are having to sell on their tickets, so you might be able to pick one up there if you haven't already. Uh, we're going to be doing our first live episode. We're going to be talking about cosplay. I'm going to be on various other panels, and I'm going to be doing a workshop on Dungeons and Dragons. I also forgot I'm on another panel panel <gasps> as well. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the relationship between creators and their audiences. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which I have a lot of thoughts and theories about. Oh, thoughts and theories. So if you come to Nine Worlds Geek Fest, you can come to our live show and see us and plenty of other panels and also just talk to us and hang out. That'd be great. On reflection, perhaps a mug of tea was not the best choice on such a hot day. It's supposed to lower your core temperature. It was very refreshing. Next tea break, I'm going to have a nice chilled iced tea. Ooh. I like it. We'll ask BC Beverage just some recommendations. Yeah. But back to the show.
Rowan? On our Facebook group. That was a very odd bit of pausing and emphasis. I'm very <laughs> sorry. Um, ah, this is one uh, for our, our Mr. Seal, I feel. Uh, I, they've said, I've had a few internships in the animation industry and each time I've tried to make a point of engaging with writers and directors about whether they would consider including openly queer characters in their projects. Um, that was also a weird emphasis. I'm very sorry, Rowan. <laughs> uh, so far, uh, there's been good and bad outcomes, to be honest. It stings most when my colleagues assume I'm joking. Is there a way to maximise the likelihood of my suggestions being considered? Basically, what's the professional approach? So um, they asked me this directly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another question afterwards, but I wanted to talk about it here because I actually thought you'd be able to contribute as well because it's less about animation and more about trying to pitch queerness and fight for that. Mm-hmm. Um because so I've tried to include it in any everything I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I can include it in stuff I make, like my comics, in which no one else gets a say. Um, but right now, I'm in development development of a few animated series, and it's always something I want to bring up. And again, I know the feeling of them thinking it's a joke, um, especially in animation, especially in kids media. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think one of the major reasons there aren't more queer cartoons is because people all think they can't be queer cartoons. Everyone's thinking this. Right. So no one's just going, but why? Um, There are a lot of other reasons, but for example, on the show I'm making at the moment, it's an adaptation of a book. And in the book, (sighs) I'm trying to avoid avoid my non-disclosure agreements. Um, Love those NDAs. Yes. In the book, it's a very old book and it was never written this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a boy character turns into a girl character. And I want to, I've said multiple times, I don't want that taken out and I want it written very well. Mm-hmm. I want us to really make that very current and make it exactly what we want it to be about. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's two characters in the books who I've always read a certain way, and I've said multiple times... that. So that first one, they're, they're sort of agreeing on. They're saying, yeah. if we were to change that, there'd be backlash. Yeah. Which is sadly, that's the reason they would not change it, not because it's a good story. Yeah. The other thing is more... I have a headcanon. I have a reading of certain characters. Yeah. Um, and that has been tough mm-hmm. if if there's a term i always use which is choosing my battles mm-hmm. when i started developing these shows there's quite a lot of what that kind of music on this that doesn't and then i'm like save that energy for when i'm trying to fight to be represented in the show i'm making yeah um it's frightening i i the the idea of <sighs> you being seen as a joke is the thing that really hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky in that the projects I'm working on, I suppose I have more sway because I'm probably like directing them. I think if you're doing an internship, it <sighs> might be time to bite your tongue a little bit. Yeah. I suppose, and this is speaking as somebody with no chill, when I am passionate about something, or I care about something, I am very bad at being detached about it, as you guys are probably aware, having Hmm. listened to this podcast. I think when you make these pitches, I suppose there's nothing wrong with passion in your voice. 
and I suppose passion would make it clear that you're being serious. But I suppose it's a matter of if you're pitching something with a straight face and if somebody laughs, you just, in the same way, that, like if somebody makes a joke that's funny, that if they think it's funny that's actually offensive, you just look at them and go, I don't understand why that's funny. That's my tactic, is to feign kind of... Confusion at their amusement. Just like, Um, I don't understand. This is... So, uh, another show I was working on, which didn't happen, um, Urchin, if you want to look it up. We did a short for Nickelodeon. Um, I loved everyone involved, so it's not any slight against them. But I was very much writing a character as... um, a sort of eight-year-old gay boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, character called Mudlark. Um, I did a show Bible, and I did a storyboard for the first episode, which sets up his relationship with another boy called Jack and Ape. Mm-hmm. And I said multiple times, "Oh yeah, they're Endgame. That's the that's the storyline. It's about mm-hmm. them." And I don't know why the show didn't happen. But when I think about all the reasons, I do definitely... I think they were pro it. They just knew that if they had to commission this show or the other show... They would pick the easiest The show without the big kind of fight was probably the easier one to make. Yeah. I think I'd always recommend to stand your ground and to always say it's important to me. The thing I've always wanted to say, because I've never been in that meeting, but if the meeting ever happened where we say we can't do this... I want to say that I feel very upset that I'm not allowed to be in the show that I've mm-hmm. wouldn't exist without me that I'm making. Yeah. Um I don't know. I'm actually sort of proud of myself for a few of the decisions I've made where I've uh lost jobs and lost money out of um my ethics. Yeah. Um I could have been I got offered a TV series that I could be directing now and have income um, but I found the concept ableist and a little bit racist and <laughs> and I said this at the meeting they, uh, they the meeting was so like hey Hamish here's the document ready to sign isn't it amazing and I said oh wait no I just want to make sure that I can change the really offensive things in this and they said what offensive it's up to you I don't look down on anyone who takes a step back mm-hmm. because we all got to make money yeah um but pick your battles yeah I say. and if people think you're joking just be like if or people laugh ask them to explain why that's my favorite thing yeah, just, yeah i think it's a that's such a good tool in life if somebody makes, why is that funny why is that funny or i don't understand did i miss the joke like yeah yeah play dumb um rowan also asked is this question also from Rowan, yeah? Um, Asked if we would talk a little about the addition of ally in the queer acronym. Uh, This pride more than any other, uh, as in the recall, seeing its inclusion sometimes even at the expense of asexual. Now, leaving aside for a moment the acronym, because the acronym forever fluctuating in what it's included, when A was first added, I always I always read the A in the acronym as asexual. However, I understand that ally has always been a part of pride. And part of why we have allies is for people that can't come out yet 
or aren't ready to come out yet or maybe are questioning things about themselves. I think when people hear ally, they assume it's cishet people. And I can understand why if you thought somebody was cishet, you would be averse to them being involved. And I think more people need to realise that ally is a safe middle ground for a lot of people on their way to picking up one of the other letters. Absolutely. I have heard and read that the A in the acronym originally meant ally. Ah. And that it's asexual has replaced it very deservedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen versions of the acronym that have two A's. Mm-hmm. I've seen ones that have two Q's. Queer and questioning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, questioning, I think, is an interesting one. Um it's like an element of ally. Mm-hmm. Ally can also mean ally to other members of the acronym. Like I can be gay, but an ally to trans, trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, I in a ally has become a, a a word with a lot of stigma baggage and-, and baggage. I still think allies are important. Yeah, I mean, less. I, there are always going to be some people that are probably being an ally for the sake of brownie points. Yeah. However, like parents of queer children. Yeah. Partners of trans people. Partners of bisexual and pan people. And I I have no problem with my straight hat. Straight hat. Straight hat. <laughs> That's the extreme. Extra, yeah. <laughs> That's when you drink nothing but Gatorade and... Uh, <laughs> cis hat. No, friends coming to pride with me mm-hmm. it's when they arrive it's like the the asexual question up there where if you think you should belong there then chances are you mm-hmm. should be there and if your reasons for being there are, are very honest yeah um if you want to go if you're a cishet person you want to go to pride to be to support your queer friends that's amazing. That's wonderful. Like a little bit of backup against that asshole with a sign protesting pride. Yeah. It's great. If you're going because there's going to be a lot of scantily clad people of your gender of attraction and alcohol, maybe you should reassess why you want to go and maybe not. Yeah. I mean, uh, a, a queer meme I quite like is the uh-huh. only true ally, which is when people yeah. say that about the most innocuous thing yeah like people i'm just trying to think of an example but a a example completely made up out of my head would be a tweet of (sighs) share saying um gays or something something like very simple it's like oh the only true ally or something um there's that image i see all the time of jennifer lawrence that just says gay rights (laughs) that's it Uh um Allies have their place. I don't know if they belong in the acronym. I don't think we're masters aside, but there is more to it. Yeah, there is discussion to be had, but certainly not at the expense of ace people. And that's why the term gay straight alliance Uh is, was used. I don't see it much anymore. Uh It's so that people who don't want to come out, who can't come out. Or who maybe haven't realized about themselves. Yeah. Um, can feel included. Mm -hmm. I have this big problem a lot where 
if I was sending a question to no box box pop, I'd say this because I don't know an answer to this. Yeah. The I see it a lot in online discussions where people have to out themselves in order for their point to be valid. Ugh. And it really bugs me. It happens a lot when people talk about experiences, but it happens a lot with sexuality where someone says, for example, and I know why people would do this. This is why I don't know the answer. Yeah. They'd say, well, I'm trans and I think this, which means that if the person arguing them can't say that yet, yeah. genuinely physically can't say that yet, mm-hmm. it's very hard to say things sometimes. Yes. Then they've lost because mm-hmm. they've not outed themselves. Yeah, I mean, the, of awareness of, I don't want to say respectability politics, because I don't think that's that, but that feeling like staying in your lane and maybe I shouldn't speak on this because I haven't got that experience. Like, it took me such a long time to feel like I could use the word trans. Yeah. For myself. And I get it. it it's hard and you shouldn't be... You don't want to ever speak over the people who have the right to be speaking on a topic. Yeah. It it's it's fucking hard and I see so much discourse that makes me very sad uh, particularly around the asexual community um and whether or not they should feel able to call themselves queer and I get very upset because there are members of the asexual community that have said some incredibly homophobic things. Um, yeah. When when I started seeing asexuality grow, uh, not grow, but you know, mm-hmm. like get more voice mm-hmm. and visibility, it did often come with their own running jokes mm-hmm. about sex being disgusting, which is something. Mm-hmm. People sex, that, sex repulsion is a thing. Yes, um, I just I did notice a lot of jokes which. Other kinds of jokes that are yeah. homophobic. Yeah, that I mean, when you get called disgusting for what you do, for the people that you love, hearing it from people that pertain to be part of your community, yeah, hurts. Yeah, and then I think uh, asexual people have been treated really badly within the community by others. Mm-hmm. Um, something I always come up against, always try and explain is that even though we're a community that supports one another we are not the same we're not the same and we it's our differences that unite us Mm -hmm. and there's so much where you have to acknowledge the unique oppression and Mm -hmm. unique problems each other have yeah have a little fucking empathy yeah it's not oppression olympics no it's nor should it ever be supporting one another it's being allies to each other yeah um we all got our own shit to deal with yo yeah I mean, most of the people I know who identify as some flavour of ace um, also identify as some other flavour of queer. Yeah. Like they're trans or they're non-binary or they're homoromantic or biromantic. I get why people want and need the label of ace, but like just because somebody uses that, I think there's just so much assumptions and I just want people to have a little care and a little kindness. Yeah. And like what everything I just said about what I saw from the asexual community is like so tiny compared to the shit I've seen from my own, like my own part of the acronym. Yeah. Like the most transphobic, the most biphobic things I've seen have been from gay people. Yeah. Um, so 
But this is pride. This is pride. We all got to be together. There is one last question I want to we'll mm-hmm. try and race through. I know this has been a super long episode, um, but Charles asked in an email, how do you feel about the way that when coming out, queer people are almost expected to apologize for it? Mm. Saying sorry for disappointing their family friends that either, um, that either that deceived them or that they're not normal or that things won't be how they expect them to be. Is there a way to respectfully come out without making it seem like you feel the need to say sorry for just being you while also respecting uh, that for others this might be a shock? <sighs> I want to say one thing first. Please. Don't feel bad for saying sorry because you can plan your coming out so much, but then in the moment you don't know how they're going to react and mm-hmm. your response. I mean, I say sorry to mannequins for jump, like for bumping into bunt them. Into. I say sorry when something completely out of my control is happening yeah. on the other side of the street. Yeah. Um, well, 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 we're in, we're British. So we yeah. kind of have that. If you suffer from anxiety, yeah. like, don't feel bad about you want you do not need to apologize however do not feel bad if you wind up apologizing yeah especially um, if somebody gets upset or things like that because yeah sometimes things do come as a surprise we live in an overwhelmingly um cis and heteronormative society like people are assumed to be cis het until otherwise stated and that's a shitty state of affairs. However, it is the reality that we live in. And so coming out is a thing that people have to do. And it can suck. Increasingly, what I see isn't... If you come out to someone and they react badly, it's less them ashamed of you or hating you. It's more them upset on your behalf mm-hmm. that you are in this world and i see so many people responding by thinking oh god i am thinking about all the things i must have said or mm-hmm. thinking about how i must have not made you feel yeah welcome mm-hmm. it's more up, it, if people start crying or get upset it's sometimes it's guilt sometimes it's guilt it's not on you and it's not something yeah, you should apologise for. it's about their own. But then if you see someone crying in front of you, you want to say sorry. Yeah, because you caused might, this, yeah, because, in a way, yeah. in that moment. Uh, again, that's it's part of being an empathetic, compassionate person. When you see somebody cry, you feel bad about making them cry. I mean, is there a way to respectfully come out without making it seem like you feel the need to say sorry? <sighs> Coming out is such a unique experience for every person. I mean... Coming out as non-binary and trans, so many people don't get it. And I end up having to explain stuff. Um, One of the advantages I have is that I'm kind of very straight shooting with a lot of... (laughs) Straight shooting. (laughs) Um, I am very much a fact-based person a lot of the time, and I'll just go... This is the situation. Deal with it. Yeah. And that's part of my own particular fun mental cocktail of processing. Um, So in some ways it's very easy, but at the same time, I never really came out to my dad when he was alive. Mm. Um, But talking to my my mum about uh, not being straight and what non-binary meant, 
I mean, very lucky most of the times where I've come out. I think I spoke about an earlier episode about the time where it wasn't so good. And while the way I maybe spoke, like, would you guys, there was something inherently apologising about the way I spoke about it. And so much of society, we are coached in shame and... <sighs> it's not your fault you feel sorry because it's how we all feel. It's Yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to things like grandparent. Like, oh, I'm never going to be a grandparent. Yeah. I remember my grandmother saying, that's a shame because he's so handsome. And I took that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. I know I, I'm very lucky. I know everyone's this lucky to have... Uh, family that supports me now mm. but when I did come out um, there were a lot of questions and I, I, my mum did I think feel very sorry for me I remember her thinking scared for mm. me on my behalf yeah um, but <sighs> I don't really know what to say yeah the, the it, it's always unique um they might try and you don't know they might like the idea of disappointing them mm-hmm. yeah i think that might have been the case with my parents originally and then i was the first of my brothers to get married mm-hmm. um settle down they love my partner um i don't want to say it gets better because it doesn't it doesn't always and mm-hmm. that's a horrible phrase uh but the moment of coming out isn't always the the real coming out. It's the stuff that comes after. Yeah, that's the kind of the shock moment, and then you'll you will be coming out for the rest of your life because you always are meeting new people. Mm. Um, and then it's over time that you yeah. realise you don't have to be sorry for anything. Maybe. Yeah, I suppose. Work out what you're going to say. If it's a shock to people, that's on them, not on you. Yeah, it's a shock because they assumed mm-hmm. something about you yeah it's hard yo um there's no easy answer that we can give <laughs> i really wish there was there's not been many easy answers this episode it ain't maybe easy. next vox pop no box ask, box pop it'll just be like questions what's your favorite bug that's never an easy question <laughs> <laughs> no what's your favorite it's not easy yeah um yeah but I want to thank our listeners again. Thank you, guys. Because even though it got a bit sad sometimes, I feel like pride and talking to each other about our own mm-hmm. problems does our make me feel closer together. Yeah. And sometimes we can feel, take the acceptance, whatever we get today for granted. Mm-hmm. Um. And think, well, maybe we don't need pride or something. Yeah. But an episode like this makes me really appreciate every single one of you. Hey, makes me appreciate you as well, Hamish. Oh, thank you. I'm makes really, me appreciate you. I'm really glad we have our podcast. So much. Oh, I want pride each year. Each year we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to make it even bigger and more special. And yeah. Hopefully next time it won't be as hot and we'll have some <sighs> feather bowers. Seriously, you guys, it's disgusting in here. <sighs> It's I gross. I literally feel like I've been in the middle of the parade dancing for five days. Yeah. I'm I'm more water now than man. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. We're gonna love you and leave you, dear listeners. Thank you for listening. So thank you for 
kind of celebrating pride in our quiet, sweaty fashion. Next episode is also a pride episode, but we're mm-hmm. going to be talking more about um, our own loves yeah. of the... of. We're going to be talking about movies. We're going to be talking about a movies. Fun, a fun geek out. Yeah. Um, not a catch-up geek out. That's no. later. Um, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Sound Waves, for our theme music, for helping produce the podcast. I'm really glad he's not here, though, because a third person in the studio would be a nightmare. Spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Uh, check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com. Uh, he's got a podcast, The Mix Cave, and you should seriously check out the synthy sounds of Glitterwolf because that stuff is rad. Thank you for getting in contact with us. If you didn't and would love to, mm. we are very easy to contact. We have a Facebook group, which is really fun and has a lot of good discussion it's probably the easiest way to talk to us yeah but we also have tumblr twitter and you can email us at boxnotincluded at gmail.com we also have individual twitters jdoxfordrose amish steel oh, get in contact with us guys it'd be great to hear from you if you're going to a pride parade or if you have been to a pride parade stay hydrated take a buddy wear a hat suntan lotion all those manner of things have, have fun, fun. Oh, but until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. <laughs>